Welcome, heathens and witches, to the Horn and Cauldron Podcast. Podcast. Yeah, we're back at it again, a little late again this week. Listen, listen, we're always going to be a little late. Uh, or maybe this is the new normal. For a while, <laughs> so just be okay with that. Uh, Anywho, yeah. at least it's out this week because you know, I'm pretty tired. I would prefer not to have to do something. Uh, I could take a nap. But uh, so we're coming at you with a whole, whole size video. A whole size video. A whole yeah. sized video. Yeah, one whole or unit audio, of one whole depending unit on how you're consuming sound. This. And uh, speaking of units of sound, if you're listening to this on your podcast network of choice, <laughs> uh, leave us a review because metrics are a lie and the matrix is controlling all of our minds. If you are watching this on YouTube, don't forget to like this video, comment below, share, subscribe. Again, the matrix, it gets us if we don't do those things. Um, and I guess we're going to get right into it. We are talking about Freya. That's right. Fredja. Freja. No. no. There's a silent jet in there. I mean, yeah, there is kind of like a silent J yeah. in there. Yeah. Freja. Sure. Freha. <laughs> no. <laughs> right? You pronounce the I feel the like you're about like to get H's. smited at you, this point. You, you pronounce the uh, J's like H's, right? Mm-mm. Like jalapeno? Like Fre- Not- You know what I'm talking about? You are going to get She will holla smote. at you if you want. So She is going to smite you. Let Freya Peña holla at you. What's up? I'm not even really sure how she smites people, but she's definitely going to smite you. Cats, I would assume. Or falcons is probably I would much assume more that likely. she's going to throw a bunch of cats at you. If you just have like a falcon come and like dive bomb you within the next couple of days, I am going to laugh. Birds love me. So, so hard. That is true. Happen. Birds do love you. Yeah. Um, in fact, all animals I'm pretty certain if you. I whistle and spin in a circle in my sarong, they're just going to land on my hands. So. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think yeah. I can just collect birds at this point in time. Uh, the yeah. only animal who doesn't listen to me is the deer. There's just one. He's an asshole. Oh, no, there's two. And well, there's just one who's constantly trying to fight me about my garden, and I will punch a deer. So, <laughs> I mean, not really. Those things are huge, but... Yeah, they're pretty big, even the little ones. I'm just going to run at him and just be like... Blah, 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 blah. And he just backs up like two feet and waits. Like, And they're going to be like, geez, with? man, why are you harsh in my, my food time vibe? Don't eat my trees and my plants, dude. Yeah, although the tree that they were eating realized it very quick and it grew very tall, very fast. The, tall, the tree's just like, you can't eat me when I'm way up here. Although I'm pretty certain that's how we forced the giraffes to start happening, so... The giraffification. The the giraffe the giraffification of the deer. Yeah, the giraffification of deer. <laughs> it's like gigantification of deep sea animals, but on land when trees start knowing stuff, it's the giraffification. Oof. I mean, don't give him ideas. We don't need what happened in the happening to happen here. Uh, I'm pro every animal turning into giraffes. Giraffodiles. No, I was talking about the trees becoming sentient and deciding to like get nuts. Giraffodiles, my dude. Yeah, that's crocodiles with long necks. <laughs> The most horrifying of all potential crocodiles. You're welcome for that image in your minds, by the by. Yeah, we should probably get back on the subject for this podcast. Or I will continue to name animals as though they're real. And they are not. It's a little bit like we have the Benny Hill music still playing in our heads. I know, right? Um, For those of you listening right away, you should definitely... uh, Search for Boris Johnson Benny Hill music because it it's hilarious. Um, okay, so uh, this episode is a deep dive on the Norse goddess Freya, yep. um, which does in fact have a mostly silent J in the way that Americans say it. 
in the way that all people say it, nobody says it Freja. That's definitely not true. I, I, I can't really, I don't, I don't know how. They I'm real sure that that's places. not how that's said. Let me tell you what, if you, if you're from not around here or something, honestly, even if you are from around here and you pronounce it Freja and like, that's the way that you were taught to pronounce it or whatever. Tell me, I would be very interested to know that my joke was actually partly right. <laughs> I love when reality confirms my insanity. Actually, is strike that. Delicious. Don't tell us. He doesn't right? need that ego boost. More of that <laughs> ego boost is the correct way to frame that. Yeah. So, boom. So, anywho, what is uh, what is Freya the goddess of? So, Freya is the goddess of a bunch of things, um, like most of them. Um, oh. oh, oh no! Fast boy. Did you escape? He escaped. Oh my God. No, he's right there. there Get him. Oh my gosh. You guys like a spider just like zoomed down and tried to run away right in front of Brief story, just in case you weren't watching this. So first of all, um, our house might be where all spiders come from. We're sorry about that. Um, We're not definitely not doing it on purpose. Yeah, it's definitely not on purpose. There's just like a lot of spires out here in the Redwoods. Secondly, uh, our spiders like to descend from the skies upon us or real near (laughs) us. So you always have to be like partially unfocused in the middle distance because that shit, you're just going to be walking in my house one day and be like, and all of a sudden this spider's going to like slam into focus right here. It didn't drop down. It's just done been there for a while. And then you always have to have like some sort of napkin nearby. And then secondly, let me tell you about an accord I have with all spiders. It's the human spider accords. Uh, It is, if you're a spider and you're doing sweet Anansi shit, like murdering bugs that I don't want around my garden and house, good job. Keep doing your job. Love it. You're good, good pal. I got no problem with spiders. But uh, if I have to see you in my house touching my stuff, dead. Immediately dead. Uh, Primarily yeah. because I don't want spiders crawling around in my fucking house. That shit's awful. And the spiders that we have here are both like adorable tiny garden spiders that make dope webs. And then like humongous monster spiders that I'm pretty certain are trying to take people's cattle or whatever the point of the arachnids movie was because yeah. they are huge. Uh, and, yeah. and they don't give, they're just like, what are you, a person? Smush me, bitch. You're gonna, it's going to take effort. You won't feel it because that's, that's it's going to be, is. you're going to regret yeah. things. Yeah. It's so like, that's it's our like life. smushing a tiny lobster. Welcome to living in the redwoods in an old cabin. Okay. All right. Back on um, the She's definitely the goddess of spiders, let's, right? Let's try this again. <laughs> she is definitely not the goddess of spiders. I don't know if there is any Norse god associated with spiders. Um, Loki. Probably Loki. with yeah. spiders. We actually talk of, about that. Of course it's Loki. Yeah. We actually spiders. talk about that in our, in our Loki deep dive episode, as a matter of fact. Uh, Elaborate commercial for our previous podcast episode. No, that's my no. We definitely just came swear that was not, not elaborate. <laughs> In fact, Freya and Loki don't really get along, so she um, is maybe definitely brief TLDR on the Norse mythology. Almost everybody and Loki don't get along. That is correct because Loki is yeah. uh, he's 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 a bit of, he's a bit of a dick. He's a bit of a dick. Yeah, he's a bit of a dick. So, uh, like I was saying, Freya is the. Nor- Norse goddess of abundance, beauty, crafts, death, eroticism, farming. She's a goddess of fertility and flowers, but also of foresight and gold. Yes, gold. Love, luck, you're welcome. Magic, the moon, passion, uh, physical well-being, romance, cedar magic, which is specifically a Norse type of magic for seeing and influencing the future. Um, She's also a goddess of sex, of trances, war, wealth, uh, witchcraft, and wisdom. 
So we got a lot of stuff. Uh, in addition to those um, things that she is attributed to, she is also queen of the Valkyries. She is the priestess of sacrificial offerings, and she rules over Fulkvangir, which receives half of those who die in battle. Um, so basically like a different version of Valhalla. Yeah. And her hall within Fulkvangir is called Sesrumnir. Yeah. Yeah. It's like uh, second Valhalla. Uh, yeah, actually, we're gonna talk a little bit more about that um, in a bit. Yeah. So we're gonna kind of circle I back to that. I imagine it's the whatever the other town is from the Simpsons to Springfield, you know, like <laughs> they're the same town basically, but like whatever, they hate each other for some reason or some nonsense like that. Like, listen, I watched the Simpsons, but it has been a very long time. That show stopped being funny like a while ago. Like in um, the 90s. Yeah, so. For me. <laughs> so there's a lot of different names that Freya is known by. Um, and it's actually quite interesting because part of that is um, because she appears in a bunch of different stories, yeah. like more than many of oh, the yeah, other. Yeah, it's not like deities. she was only the goddess of like two or three things, right? I mean, that list was, I don't know, whatever, 5,000 words long. So yeah. yeah, yeah. She's the goddess of like everything <laughs> except for the things that all the other gods are gods of. Yeah. She was yeah. like, I'm the goddess of everything. And somebody was like, uh, can I do water? And she was like, you can have water, but everybody else, I'm everything else still. <laughs> Heads up. So. Well, in the prose Edda, <laughs> it is said that Freya is the most approachable of the deities in the Norse pantheon. Sure, yeah. And she has so many names and epithets because of her travels to find her husband, Odor. Uh, which we will also talk about in a little bit. Uh, so here are a few of the epithets for Freya. Uh, so she is known as Geth, the giver, she who gives prosperity and happiness. This is actually possibly related to a sea goddess aspect. It's thought that maybe she was originally a sea goddess, but also like her dad's a sea god. So, you know. That would sort technically of make her a sea Inherited princess. bits there. Exactly. Yeah. Right? yeah. So. Um, she's also known as Mardol, the sea brightener. And this one is another kind of interesting process prosperity sea type of thing because sea no. brightener is really sort of a term that indicates that she um, brightens the seas but that doesn't mean that she's making them lighter or she's lighting them up yeah. it means that mind, she's increasing she is the, the fishing harvest the of those glow. seas definitely the glowing thing i mean there are places in the world where the seas glow yeah. so that there's that yeah. um she's also known as uh horn the uh, which means flaxen um usually she is shown with a uh, blonde hair although that's not always the case so that could be part of that but she's also considered the goddess of gold and gold and the color of flax are not far off yeah. um she is known as uh shialf uh, which is the shaker that's actually a connection to her necklace uh the brisingamen um, she also is known as Valfreya, Lady of the Slain, which refers to her role in Fulfengir, or Vanadis, uh, the child of the Vanir or the Dees of the Vanir. She's often called um, daughter, sister, wife, mother of, you know, whoever her kin is, um, possessor of the fallen slain. My personal favorite. That one is super cool. Yeah. Um, the most glorious of I the goddesses. I like slain to the fallen. Like, she's the possessor of the fallen. Well... But it's more than that. Yeah. Right? Because they have to be dope. They have to be, have died in battle, so they were slain, as opposed to just, like, dying, and that's when you just go to hell. Yeah, hell exactly. So possessor of the fallen Christian slain, hell. like, super yeah. cool. Yeah. The possessor cool. of the Brisingamen, the most glorious of the goddesses, and, last but certainly not least, the mistress of cats. Yeah. Primarily because she uh, she rides a cart pulled by two cats. 
That is correct. Two gray cats. Yeah, yeah. Uh, she is often described as having braided hair, um, sometimes worn like long in a braid or or several braids, uh, and sometimes worn up or looped. A uh, fairly common kind of um, hairstyle there. Uh, most of the time she's portrayed as being blonde, but sometimes you see that she is portrayed as having like red or auburn hair. Sure. Um, and she is usually shown completely naked. Although I think that the reason why she is shown completely naked is either because of her role as a sex and like fertility type goddess. And, or, and she's like beautiful. In all and she's stories, like right? beautiful like, and yeah. stuff. But like really most of that kind of, iconography of her dates to the um like sort of Dirty late 18 it sort of dates <laughs> to the 1800s yeah. when people got really interested in like Norse culture sure. and they were just like paint all the ladies naked yeah. Yeah, yeah, with yeah, only yeah. like a towel to cover yeah. a bit yeah when, when they're just like hey let's paint a naked lady and the church is like what are you doing and they're like oh doing research yeah. about ancient stuff and they're like mm, all right dude but they're you like name those that shit okay they're like those silly old time heathens didn't know how clothes worked yeah right they're like <laughs> those savages they didn't have clothes and the church is like yeah and they're just like yeah, we're gonna sell a bunch of these fucking paintings yeah right yeah <laughs> you know so yeah but she's often shown in a short skirt like you know she's wearing like a top right also oh, but sure, she's yeah, often shown wearing a short skirt which is interesting because that really sort of like you can the 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 naked v short skirt look sort of depends on what um like role she's playing in particular like the sex goddess thing sure. or the death goddess thing sure. um you, you can know. have a naked death goddess right that would be weird <laughs> i <don't> know <laughs> <laughs> i i'm i'm okay with it i'm okay with it too so what's up she's also um shown wearing the brisingamen it's an amber it's a necklace made of amber um that is created by four dwarves and it is said that this necklace glittered like stars and was more valuable than a mountain of gold Sure. Okay. Yeah. Uh, and in these deep dive episodes, we typically tell one of the myths. So I'm going to go ahead and tell you how she came across the Brisingamen. Um, now, it's a pretty short one, uh, but she, again, she's in a lot of different myths. So I just picked this one because I thought it was pretty cool. So there are four dwarves. And they lived in a cave. There were these four dwarves. Yeah, there are actually more than just yeah, four Yeah, yeah. So there were these four dwarves. Yeah. Um, Alfred Dvalin, Berlinger, and Greer. Um, and they lived in a cave and they were crafting this necklace. Uh, and Freya saw them crafting this necklace and was like, hey, that necklace is very dope. I would very much like it. What can I pay you for this necklace? And they were like, I don't know. We got like a lot of a lot of stuff. We're like dwarves. And she was like, what if I give you a whole bunch of silver? And they were like, nah, we got a bunch over here in the corner. Uh, and then she was like, okay, what about a pile of gold? And they're like, oh no, our gold pile is like right around the corner. We're good. Um, and she's like, okay, well, um, what can I give you? And they were like, sex yeah and she was like okay and they were like okay but each of us gets a turn so for four so she spent a night with each of the four dwarves like four nights in a row basically sure. with each of the four dwarves in her bower which was purported to be um a place that um unless freya wanted you to come into her bower you could not enter yeah basically it had like warding on it yeah. she um, had a magic bed she had a magic bed yeah Magic bedroom. Uh, and so she spent the night with each of these four dwarves. And then they were like, here's your necklace. And she was like, yes. 
Yeah. They so, were just like, ha, 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 we got this. And she's just like, these guys don't even know who I am. What, what's wrong with them? <laughs> Basically. What a bunch of dumbasses. Yeah, she was like, I am a goddess. Let me give you a bunch of gold for this beautiful thing. And they were like, no, we're good. Yeah. We, <laughs> we got that. We got that. Yeah. 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 But it is interesting a, to know. It's a great Freya story. It is a great Freya story. I super loved it. I am very pro sex work, especially when it is done the right way. That is, um, well, like everybody involved is consensual. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and the um, people in ancient times tended to have a very different um, view about sex work than we do now. Um, oh, yeah, we're real Puritans about a yeah. bunch of shit. In particular, nowadays. we've talked about this a bit in our Aphrodite deep dive. If you're interested in hearing more about Aphrodite's role with the as being the patron god basically of sex workers um you can definitely give a listen to that episode but um in many ancient cultures sex work was a way for women who were traditionally not really allowed to be property holders like as a generality to have property and to make an income uh, but it was not necessarily even seen as a negative thing that's really a lot of coloring that we see from a puritanical sort of yeah. standpoint everybody um, knows who we can thank for that idea guys Drink a game time. Yeah, every time, these motherfuckers. Every time, guys. It's not like I'm trying to do it. <laughs> <laughs> it just keeps coming up. So in addition to Freya wearing the Brissengamen, um, she is also very frequently seen in a chariot pulled by two cats. Um, or or she is seen like, you know, wandering around or standing and flanked by two cats, not yeah. necessarily being in a chariot. And it is um, of note that the cats that she would have with her are not like the traditional house cats that we have here in America. Um, they are a much more wild and large and fluffy version of cat. That doesn't mean that your cat is not a sort of a the uh, a link to freya it just means that when um when i saw a lot of the iconography people are basically drawing their own cats as freya's pets and i just thought it was interesting because the type of cats that she would have used were a totally had. different type of breed i used had yes the type of cats that she had yeah and used to pull her chariot yeah 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 yeah, yeah definitely definitely different kind of cats definitely different kind of cats in my mind Sabertooth tigers, sort of like <laughs> He-Man, just two sabertooth tigers, right? Primarily because that's badass. And in my opinion, everything should be increased in badassery. Well, and you know, that's an interesting thing is if you go far enough back, you know, you can look at proto-Indo-European worship and it is possible that some that that in some way she was a like the the idea of Freya was originally a goddess who had basically saber tooth cats, yeah. um, you know such as you know all of these animals that existed when our ancestors were basically cave people and um, you know we didn't have the same kind of animals around that we do today. So uh, that's not to say that her cats are saber tooth cats, but. It's a possibility that Head that could cannon, be where it came from. Head yeah, uh, she is also often seen riding uh, her boar, Hildesvini, um, and she just rides into battle on this boar, and that is how she collects the fallen. Slain. Have you ever seen a boar charge something? <laughs> yeah, that's a real threatening fucking move, dude. I mean, like, listen, I'm not saying a lady on a chariot pulled by cats isn't in its own right horrifying. Um, to behold, <laughs> right? Um, but uh, but a lady charging on a boar, even more horrifying. Especially if she's naked. 
Yeah. Oh my god. Especially if she's naked. Well, that's that thing where it's like, if you're seeing a bunch of people in armor and one dude starts taking his armor off, you know that that guy is just doing that to increase his speed, right? That's that, that's that, that's that classic, like, DBZ. Like, they're in the battle arena and bloody what's-his-name takes off his robes and they, like, crush the earth beneath him. Yeah. And he's just like, I guess I can take these robes off and now I'm a bunch lighter so I'm so much faster. And you're like, oh no, we've made yep. a mistake, guys. You know? Exactly. So, yeah. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, so she's also seen um, holding a distaff, which is a rod that is used to hold unspun fibers for weaving uh, a stave or a scepter. Um, and most of the time when you see her holding those, she is on her bore and basically riding into battle. Sometimes she's standing just like holding them all regal like and stuff. Uh, but most of the time it's when she's on the bore. Uh, and then lastly, another important part of her magical artifacts and iconography is a cloak of falcon feathers and this cloak allows the ability to shapeshift into a falcon and this is actually an integral part of many many stories <laughs> about about Freya and about the Norse gods in particular. Um, we talked uh, in the deep dive episode for Thor about the time that Thor and Loki went and pretended that Thor was a lady so that Freya didn't have to marry a big oafish giant. Yeah. And part of the way that they did that was using a falcon cloak. Yeah. Oh man. It's that is, I love, there's so many Norse stories that I'm in love with, especially surrounding Thor. Thor's stories are like the most bombastic of bardic tales. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Because Thor's always up to shenanigans, and I love shenanigans dearly. Um, there's a lot of shenanigans. There's a lot of shenanigans, especially yeah. when him and Loki team up. When those two guys team up, I, I, I can see why they did the like, make them brothers in the uh, comic books, yes. because in the legends, they're all they're very they're very like let's team up and then just like start shit, you know. Yeah. Um. But yeah, the story where where Thor dresses up like a lady, which is in itself a violently insane statement, <laughs> right? Because it's Thor. Um. No hey, but it's not pretty boy Chris Hemsworth. Let me tell you what. Um, traditional descriptions of Thor. Although, so, if that is your headcanon for oh, Thor... Oh, yeah, like, if that's your headcanon for no, Thor, because that's what no you problems. click with, like, rock and roll, right? Like, yeah. yeah, you know, whatever's clever, dude. Everybody's waveform collapses a little differently. But, um, like, yeah, just him dressing up like a lady and being, like... and and But, like, not understanding how to act the lady like, so he, like, demolishes some beer... And and the giant or the the guy like the giant who's trying to marry her is just like oh she had quite a thirst and Loki's just like ah she was really nervous beforehand so she hasn't drank anything in a while don't worry she's about just it. nervous about the marriage <laughs> and thing. then Thor and just like demolishes like, okay. a bunch of food and he's just like oh she's got quite a hunger and he's like ah it's because she hasn't ate for like a long time she's very nervous about all of this stuff don't worry about it <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, yeah it's so good it's so oh, good man. yeah we talk <laughs> of, we tell we tell that tale uh, in the Thor deep dive which is episode 10 uh, if you want to hear more about that or more about Thor yeah. uh, and uh, speaking of um, hearing more about other Olymp or other uh, deities uh, her let's talk about who she's related to yeah. so um, her parents her father is Njord who is god of the sea and uh, Njord's sister is unnamed 
uh, and that is her mother. But it is possible that his sister, her mother, was Nerthus, which would have been the goddess of prosperity. Um, and I think that that's really just because... Sort of lines up with brightening the sea of And it. abundance and all yeah, yeah, that yeah, other yeah, kind yeah, of yeah, stuff, yeah. too. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, she has uh, one sibling, and that is Freyr. And he is basically associated with the same things as Freya, yeah. but the masculine He's version. He's just dude Freya. He's just dude Freya, basically. Yeah. Uh, and as far as consorts- In my mind, he's also riding naked on a boar with long golden hair flowing in the background. And they're just like, <laughs> I don't know which one's scarier, but I don't like either of this. We quit the war, never mind. We're going home to with this shit. Right, they're just like, ah! You know, that kind of a thing. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Um, so- I'm just saying, I should write the movies for the Norse Pantheon movies. Because they're going to be a lot funner. Uh. They would be um, pretty hilarious. We've actually done a pretty like intense headcanon of who we think what deities should be if they were to be if there were to be like, uh, you know, like a movie. Yeah, like Gods of Egypt, but not a garbage movie. Yeah, Including or like Clash of the Gods. Titans, but like a gooder, like a gooder movie. Yes. Wow. A gooder movie. First of all, she only means the new Clash of the Titans. The classic Clash of the Titans is a fucking absolute masterpiece. Yeah, that's what I meant. Yeah. Uh, okay. I just want to make sure that we define the fact that the yeah, new no, Clash no. of the Titans not the old, garbage. Not the, yeah. New Clash of the Titans. <laughs> buku bucks. Yeah. So just put that over. Yeah, so um, we might be doing a we might do a video about that because we spent like a whole weekend just going nuts. Yeah, with fan uh, fan casting, casting. just super movies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. fan casting deities. Uh, Okay, so consorts. So she, so Freya is married to Odor, and he is a traveling bard. So as we mentioned before, um, he travels a lot and then she has to like basically go get him not she has to go save him but he just wanders off and she's like where did he go i get it i have to go find him i definitely resonated with this <laughs> and we just had a conversation about how you wander into the forest yeah, with like sometimes. some locals um <laughs> so that is her husband but he is not by any means the only person that she has slept with <laughs> we talked about those four dwarves obviously <laughs> um and um together those two have two children which are gersemi and hunus um and actually both of those children's names mean treasure uh so they are you know very dear to their uh very dear to their hearts like a treasure yeah. Um, and you can hear more about some of these Norse gods in addition to additional ones, which we have not named, in um, episode 33, The Norse Family Tree. Yeah. Um, and we've also done deep dive on Thor, which we just mentioned. And we've done a deep dive previously on Loki and also a deep dive on Odin, which yeah. is sort of put together with Odin and modern um, heathenism. Yeah. So we have a whole bunch of resources there um, if you're looking for um, that sort of thing. Yeah. And if there is any particular question you have about both Freya and or any other particular Norse god, uh, let us know that question. You can comment it on the YouTube video. You can send us a message on social media. Technically, I have like a like a form you can fill out to email us on my website. Yep. Um, but it's so that way we'll bring it up in one of our pub chats and answer the question there where we're able to just kind of like briefly touch on and answer uh, f- fan questions. Yeah. I almost said user questions and that doesn't make any sense. I don't, I don't know why I thought that. 
It's close, but not there. It's not there. Uh, yeah. You can also request a deep dive episode on pretty much anything, and you don't have to be a patron um, yeah. or a Patreon member. You know, one of our Patreon yeah. supporters. Yeah, it'll to, just it'll just get on the list. I mean, the list the list is it's, it's, it's hefty. It is a long list. We have yeah. a lot have of a things. Lo- we have to a say lot of plans and a lot of things lot of to things. say. Yes, yeah. <laughs> but it will be there. You don't have to um, be a Patreon supporter to um, request or ask a question. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, so um, Freya's name it means lady. That sounds accurate. I guess. Yeah. yeah. And Freya, her brother's name, basically means lord. Yep. Um, so they're basically lord and lady. Um, it's interesting the origin of her name. Um, sort of gets into this whole like big Pandora's box of um like interesting like conjecture because the thing is we don't really know where this came about because we have not traveled back in time to figure that out. And there aren't really yeah. records. Not right? yet. If you have so, the stuff, the, the whirly machine or the, <laughs> the car that goes too fast and then explodes into fire, whatever, like hit us up. Totally. Totally. Yeah. Uh, I've got some places to visit and some people to punch. So <laughs> yeah, it's, it's going to be all right. I won't change history. Very specific. I won't change history, but some historical figures go have black eyes. Let me tell you what. <laughs> Yeah, so you're welcome for that. So um, some scholars think that Freya's name, meaning lady, may have been an epithet, which actually replaced her true name long ago, and that she evolved out of being an entirely different goddess. And there is a similar debate that kind of ties into this, that is that Freya and Frigg might actually be the same goddess. That's um, and the idea is that this I've may be this in yes. ancient times. They were the same goddess, and um, you know, Freya is more of the maiden, even though she is married. She has children. She She's has not. she occupies closer to the maiden aspect, whereas Frigg occupies closer to the mother aspect. So you can kind of see where that's yeah. tying into there. Um, and they have some very similar things that they are both, um, that are both attributed to them as far as powers. Like they both do magic. They can both see the future. Mm-hmm. And while Freya will tell the future, um, Frigg will not, um, you know, and, uh, you know, so there's a whole bunch of things yeah. that, um, really sort of like potentially tie them together into one female goddess figure. In addition to that, that um, Freya is a name that you sort of don't really see in um, outside of like the northern Scandinavia area, but Frigg you see throughout the Germanic region going back into ancient times. So some people think that it's because of that too. Um, and there are also people who think that Freya is connected to Isis, very particularly Isis of the Suebi. Um, but we talked about it bit in the Isis um, deep dive that we've done uh, that, um, you know, a lot of, and also actually in the Aphrodite deep dive, that a lot of these female goddesses uh, kind of like sort of meld together and pick up the characteristics of one another. Um, So a lot of the things that are associated with Freya are actually kind of associated with Isis and a little bit associated with Aphrodite. All three of them are female goddesses who are mothers, who are associated associated with war in some way isis less than others but you know the rest of them kind of are um they're all associated with the sea in a very particular way yeah. they all have very similar iconography regardless of things like um 
hair color, yeah. <laughs> skin color. Sure, you know, sure. there's yeah, a yeah, lot yeah, of yeah. there's a lot of synchronization there. Yeah, and yeah. Um, it's hard to tell why that is. It could just be because, you know, people were traveling and trading in ancient times and they were like, hey, is that your goddess? I have a goddess that's kind of like that too. And yeah. then they sort of like mishmash and meld. Yeah, um, well, it's, yeah, sure, certainly. If, if, if you see somebody being like, being like, uh, Aphrodite, protect me from this storm whilst on a boat. And you're just like, Freya, protect me from the storm on the boat. But this guy's just like, Aphrodite's also like super naked and hot all the time. And he's just like, Freya's also super naked and hot all the time. So, boom. Exactly. Right? You know, it's, it's exactly. that thing. It's, it, it's, it's sort of, okay, well, it's funny because like, like when you think about it, like in a forwards direction of time, you can sort of understand the like, sort of like connections and melding and changing and mishmashing and all that kind of stuff. But we can also use this knowledge as we research um, different gods and goddesses throughout um, all pantheons and practices and faiths. You can use this to sort of look backwards in time yeah. to like um, the connective tissue of like, let's say um, like uh, the Germanic people and like a powerful female goddesses being attached to the ocean or your Indo-European people having powerful female goddesses being attached to like the ocean and also fertility, let's say, or things like that. You, you see what I'm saying? Bears so, so, is, is actually more, much more common, bears. but yes. Right. No, bears. but but yeah, I, I, there's a guy, there's a person I follow on TikTok and I, for the life of me, can I remember the name um, that talks about this, about like how, yeah. like, we're able to put together that like there might have been some goddess of a particular style like prehistory yeah because of all the cultures that butted off of that original culture all have like similarly connected and associated like goddesses that all share very common traits and things like that so you can use it much like you like do historical research into language and look backwards yeah. through language you can look backwards through practice relative to like location and time yeah yeah you know? and i know we talk a lot about proto-indo-european deities and sort of the 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 roots there um if you're not familiar with it Proto-Indo-European is basically sort of in that area, which is what it sounds like. <laughs> uh, and yeah. it generally takes place in sort of the Neolithic times where we're starting to see, you know, there's uh, passage tombs and there's Stonehenge and we're seeing a lot of that stuff there, but very particularly in Europe. And there, I do have plans to do a sort of deep dive on what that is, but that is something Thing that's going to take a ton of research from my end and um, we're a ways out from that but do know that, right that um that we will tackle proto-indo-european deities and what we know of them most of it is stuff that we think we know based on clues and archaeological findings um so it's a it's a really interesting um sort of um subset of, of the research there uh, but getting back to freya uh, another role and deity that's kind of associated with freya is actually the virgin mary so uh, your drinking game moment again um uh, many of freya's roles in germanic areas were changed to feature the virgin mary during and after the christianization of europe basically everything that was not associated with sex and fertility kind of got pushed into the virgin mary yeah. um through freya so in many areas there you can see that change to being one from the other so another deity that freya is often um paired with or syncretized with 
And um, <laughs> switching gears entirely, Freya um, generally stays behind when her husband leaves. I had mentioned that earlier. Sure, yeah. Right? Um, and when she stays behind and her husband leaves, um, she cries tears of red gold. Sure. Because she's upset that that's, he's gone. That's a bit dramatic, but yes. Uh-huh. Yeah, 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 yeah. This guy, such a lovely singer and bard that uh, she, that he leaves and just tears. Yeah, basically. Um, and sometimes, because of that, sometimes gold is called Freya's tears or Freya's weepings or rain or showers from Freya's eyes or, my personal favorite, Odor's Bedfellow's Eye Rain. Well, Odor's Bedfellow's Eye Rain is both a mouthful and also <laughs> just a weird way to make sure that you're saying the man thing, but you actually mean the lady thing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's like yeah. a that's like a nightmarish way to do it. It is very, a pretty nightmarish way. That's very way roundabout, to do that. but you know, language is weird. So yeah. I guess there you go. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) There's a whole bunch of stories um, associated with Freya. And as we've mentioned before, um, you know, there's Thor, Deep Dive that you can listen to. We talk about her, the origin of Slepnir, which she is also a part of that. Um, And we talk about that in episode 14, the Loki Deep Dive, uh, because Loki is Odin's horse's mom. Uh (laughs) That's right, dude. Loki. That guy, all shenanigans, all day. Yeah. Um, and Freya is um, sometimes referred to as a concubine of Odin's. And there are a few myths associated with that. Mm-hmm. And Which just lends more to the idea that Freya and Frigg are actually the same person. And Frigg is her name and Freya is her title. Yes. Right? And also Odin and Odor being the same person because, you know, they're both dudes who go a wandering who like poetry and songs. Thor, or uh, Odin loves a wandering. Let me tell you what. He's literally one of his epithets is the, the wanderer. Great wanderer. Yeah. So, yeah. So you, you see there's a lot there's a lot of like supportive structure there. And I know people who practice in both directions. Some people practice in the like, like Odin is Odor and Frigg is Freya. Yeah. Um, and I know people who practice that they're separate things. And really the separation is primarily because um, Frigg is a Vanir. Yes. Whereas... Freya is a Vanir. Frigg is an Aesir. Yeah, Freya is a Vanir and Frigg is an Aesir. And that's one of those like weird things where like... Like... Um... Where's the separation? Why is this happening? In some well, in some tales, it's very like the Aesir were doing stuff, and then all of a sudden, these other gods, the Vanir, showed up, and you're like, "I'm sorry, all of a sudden, we're not going to yeah. get a description on this." And they're like, "Nope, they were already there." Cha chow. All of you, a sudden, you yeah. know. Uh, so a lot of uh, I've seen the argument that the reason why it's logically separated is because of the whole Azir Vanir thing mm-hmm. and how Azir are generally like God gods, the gods of like, like people gods. Yeah. And the Vanir are like nature gods or vaguely associated with like stuff pre people. Yeah. Right. Um, so like, 
like Frigg and Odor are like actual like or Freya and Odor are actually Frigg and Odin, and they just like renamed them when they were just like, all right, we need to like define this stuff a bit more better. People style this previous god thing a wee bit confused, yeah, you know, or something to that extent. So I've seen practitioners of like Norse paganism yeah. kind of approach it in both directions, and it's sort of like. Like, you know, you know our rules, and if you don't, uh, like, you do you, bro, is, is like, the main thing. Yeah. So, like, you, like if, if you want to believe them as separate or you want to believe them as together, that's entirely up to you. Yeah. Right? Um, well, and there is another um, sort of interpretation and hypothesis for that, and that is that not only were... Um, Freya and Frigg both both attached to Odor, but also maybe Freya or Odin, but also maybe Freya was also attached to Odor. It was not uncommon for two women to be married to a man in ancient times, in particular in Norse, um, in, in ancient Norse culture. This would have usually been for marriages between political alliances or to move up the sort of socioeconomic chain. Yeah, sure. Um, but it also could be associated with um, blending families together, sure. yep, um, yep, yep. military conquest, yep, yep, uh, but yep. also polyamorous relationships yep. were not Polyamory, unheard of in ancient times. Uh, uh, and, northern knife wives. Yeah, like. and there were many deities and many pantheons with multiple lovers. We've talked about this in several episodes. Too many for me to really reference back to. Uh, uh, but definitely we talk about it in, in Aphrodite. Uh, uh, deep dive. Uh, yeah. <laughs> but, um, you know, there was a lot of polyamorous relationships um, back then. Um, but that doesn't mean that all relationships were polyamorous, yeah. right? Both um, accepting polyamorous relationships and uh, <laughs> Zeus. Um, yeah. Toxic, a little polyamorous, forced, toxic relation. polyamorous relationships. Yeah. Uh, but it is certainly there. It is certainly a possibility that that could be what it is. It was very it was very common in ancient times, particularly in the Proto-Indo-European area to have multiple wives like that. There's a lot of things that you can read associated with that, a lot of memes as well. So, you know, there's there's all that. So we don't know what the deal is with Frigg and Freya and Odin yeah. and Odor. Yeah. And um, it is likely that it will probably continue to, um, it'll probably continue to evolve and change as time goes on. Yeah. Yeah. And part of the reason why that may have changed is because of the Christianization of Europe. Although at the time of the Christianization of Europe, the the idea of having um, multiple wives, um, not necessarily polyamorous relationships where there's multiple husbands, multiple wives, different different subsets of people, um, but specifically men having multiple wives um, is was sort of like on the down slope. Yeah, it was it was already like like a like a finger wag. No, no, no. Yes. Uh, in most Germanic cultures, far as I've far as I've seen in like papers and books and such. Mm -hmm. Right. So like, the, like it wasn't, it wasn't like Christians came along and everybody was just like free love. And the Christians were like, whoa, whoa, whoa. Like everybody else had already, whoa, whoa, whoa. And the Christians came along and were just like, we also agree with you on this. So well, it, mostly you know? it's because Again, of that. Also, um, that. You know. And in, you know, certain parts of um, Abrahamic religions, there are references to having multiple wives. Oh, so everybody's yes. kind of done it. There's a lot of reasons why and really currently the main reason why we think that people um sort of got away from that is 
<laughs> is like low key capitalism um, is because the churches wanted more money. And if you had one uh, husband, basically, um, and a bunch of wives, all that income stream is only coming from the husband. But if you have a bunch of husbands and wives, you're getting more money from that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> in yeah. addition little, to little, little dark potential truth about uh, monogamy v polyamory with regard to uh, religious oligarchies and capitalism. Yeah. Um, it's just a theory, but I mean, so's a bunch of stuff. So well, it may have also played a role in the diversity of uh, our species as well. You know, if you have a bunch of people married to each other, the like, you know, especially if it's one man and multiple women, you're going to have probably a higher chance that you're going to need to go outside of your own little tribe yeah. or group of people yeah, totally, to totally, continue totally. to have genetic diversity. So there's a lot of things that kind of yeah. go into there. Yeah. But um, one of the things that also happened during the Christianization of Europe was that Freya... Freya's roles were very largely demonized, um, in particular sex work and um, being a witch. Um, she was definitely um, called a witch in a bad way, and she was also called a whore, although there were some roles of hers and some places where worship of Freya survived. Um, and Freya's erotic qualities... Um, became a easy target for a, for this new religion, Christianity, in which an asexual virgin was the ideal woman. Freya was called a whore and a harlot by the holy men and the missionaries, whereas many of her functions in the everyday lives of men and women, such as protecting the vegetation and supplying assistance in childbirth, were transferred to the Virgin Mary. Um, so it's a little quote that we got there. Um, in Iceland, up until the late 1700s, Freya was actually called upon using magical staves pretty commonly. And in Sweden, um, her role as a fertility goddess lasted pretty strong through the late 1800s. It's not very long ago. Um, there are also folk tales to this day that indicate that Freya is responsible for sheet lightning, which is a type of lightning that is generally not deadly to humans um, because it stays up in the clouds uh <laughs> and as opposed to i was just, I was just like earth. i was just like mm, i'm not gonna trust some lightning <laughs> but i guess okay but yeah they're just talking about cloud lightning yeah, cloud, cloud to cloud lightning, lightning so sheets yeah. horizontal yes uh and the folk tales I basically you meant, i thought you meant that lightning where you get a piece of metal and you go <laughs> and you shake it like for theater she's just like oh she's just like randomly the goddess of that noise and the guy backstage be like, ah, it's a storm, ah, you know, <laughs> that, that kind of shit lightning. Oh, if anybody is the god of that sound, it is Q. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is. Yeah. Oh, man. Shakespearean ass dude. Okay. Um, so these folk tales uh, about the sheet lightning basically say that the flashes of light from sheet lightning are just Flea using, or Flea, Freya using her um, flint to strike a fire to see if the rye is ready to harvest. Because she's going to do it at night. Uh-huh. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I don't know why you would do it at night, but that's okay. just the story. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was just like, does uh, Rai do something weird around Flint in the shadow times? No. Because that would be interesting. And that means we're going to no, go um, and, some No. And these folk tales have actually been recorded all the way up until like the 1960s. That's awesome. Um, So it's a very, you know, it's still a very like popular thing to say. Yeah. Uh, and that's also. very cool. I did not know she was associated with sheet lightning. It is very cool on the ground. It is <laughs> horrifying when you're in the sky. I've been on an airplane in a storm where you're just like, look at that cloud. 
punching that other cloud with lightning. We should probably not be up here, guys. Can we get down? <laughs> and of course, the pilot is just like that. They're telling us the storm's too close to the, ra- the airport, so we're just going to circle, I guess, for a while. Your stuff's going to be late. Welcome to Earth. That's horrifying. Yeah. Oof, boy, um, that was a And then layover. the last place that her role was really preserved um, that's, you know, still like lasted to pretty modern times is that on Christmas night, mm-hmm. it is said that she comes and shakes apple trees to ensure a good harvest. As a result, like some dead people... Dead apple trees? Well, they're not dead. They're just like in hibernation well yeah i mean you know yeah like Uh, without leaves and such apple trees well i mean you know maybe you're also also just the nightmare and i understand that it would be wind in reality (laughs) but the pure nightmare of like like christmas night like like having the ham or whatever with the family and you look out the window and like just one tree in the middle of your orchard is just like shake 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 and then the next tree, shake, 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 shake. I would be yeah, like, hey, right? guess what? Family, pack it up. We're the all gone. <laughs> yeah, right? Uh, and because of that, people would actually leave apples in the apple trees yeah. to well, help ensure a good harvest. That's how you frost distill apples to make that sweet, sweet sauce. Yeah, that's yeah. probably <laughs> why um, that stuff was there. Yeah. So, um, but you, it was bad luck, basically, to leave your plow out. Because if you left your plow out freya would sit on it and then it would become unusable yeah all of this seems like pretty reasonable rules for being an orchard an apple orchard farmer to being an orchard person being an orchardist (laughs) or whatever the term is for that yeah it's interesting because um this has to do with apples and in in norse mythology you'd think that the apples are just idun because that's you know her role but freya is also associated with apples and i think that that goes back to that like love fertility type of thing Uh, and that may even be a newer bit but apples existed in that time and even into ancient times, although mostly in um, Germanic and um, Scandinavian areas, you would have had crab apples, which would have not been sweet. I don't know if you've ever bitten into a crab apple, not knowing what it is, but it's. I'll tell you what, though, crab apple or not, you can make a sweet apple pie with them. You sure can. And you can make a good Um, apple sauce and you can make a great apple cider with them, like a hard cider with them. Crab apples are still very useful. In fact, it might not be like golden deliciouses, which also any apple that is in a green tart apple is a gross apple, in my opinion. (laughs) I'm just going to stand here on this hill for a second and fight the legions of fucking Fuji apple monsters and those like red delicious monstrosities of soft sweetness. No, I want a cold, (laughs) hard green apple that is tart. That is the way an apple is supposed to taste. Will die on this hill. I am not I'm a fan very okay of, uh, of red delicious apples. And red apples. I they do not like them. So gross to me. They're very like pithy. I don't like that. The, well, also, they're pithy. Yeah, but I, I just I abhor sweet. I don't mind like a that, sweet, so. juicy apple, uh, regardless of it. the color. I'm, I'm unless always it's green red. apples. The red apples are just always a little gross yeah. for me. Um, green grapes are also better than blue and red grapes. So, well, just putting that <laughs> okay. out there. Green, better plants. What's up? Better living through color science. <laughs> yeah. So, okay, let's talk about Folkvang Year and Sestramir. <laughs> Get away from the apples. Walk away. Walk away. Hard left turn. So um, we're not really sure why Freya receives half of those who die in battle. 
Um, and it said that Odin receives the other half of those who die in battle. Um, and we know she's the queen of the Valkyrie, and the Valkyrie are one that choose who go to where. Yeah. So I mean, I feel like Odin was like, "Hey, you have all these ladies with the horses and the wings and the flying and the choosing whatnot. Like, maybe you can choose the dope ones for me." And she's like, "That's a great idea. But if I'm going to choose some dope ones for you, I would also like some dope ones, please." And uh, everybody was like, "That seems reasonable because you're the one that's having to do the work, and this guy's sitting on a throne." you know, listening to birds whisper into his ears. So yeah. Reasonable. Uh. Yeah. Well, um, we're not really sure why it could oh, be yeah. something like that, but we think that it may indicate that there were different initiations for warriors. So you may dedicate yourself to Odin or you may dedicate yourself to Freya. Yeah. Um, and possibly it's because that Freya was considered a war goddess, just a slightly different type of war goddess. And we, um, we do know that she also presides over the Hijadnid. Hijadnigaving. Oh man, I can't. I I practiced that word like a bunch of times. Uh <laughs> and <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Hyoningavig. Thank you. Good yeah. lord. You know, let me tell you what. Um as an English speaker, our language is trash. Uh because these languages are Always, they always make sense the way it's supposed to be pronounced, uh, in my it opinion. It does make sense. You know what I'm saying? But I, you just, you have to be able to crash a bunch of sounds in your mouth <laughs> together that as an English, because we speak like a dumb, slow language by relative yeah, comparison yeah. to some of the more elegant languages out there. <laughs> and so we just like, like some of those sounds are not, like you look at that and you're like, I know what that sound should sound like. And then you go to say it and your mouth is just like, hey, buddy. Your tongue and your teeth aren't supposed to That's exactly. That's exactly that's not what how happens you do to me. That. Like <laughs> academically, my brain voice understands how to say this word, and also most of these words um, that we pronounce and that we've talked about yeah. before. Like, also, hey, if if I am pronouncing but something when it wrong, comes to my actual mouth, I can't yeah. always yeah. make it make the sound. I will it needs disagree with you because I'm stubborn, but. Please tell me if I'm pronouncing something wrong. Like the word sieve, S-I-E-V-E. Yeah, it's sieve. It's sieve. Uh, <laughs> anyway. Call it a sieve. Whatever. It's not important. Freya <laughs> presides over this never-ending battle that lasts until Ragnarok, basically, yeah, uh, where she that. resurrects anyone who is killed. Yeah. Um, as well as we know that she rides into battle on a boar. So we do know that Freya is a war goddess, although she is in most modern times really thought of as more of a love or witchcraft goddess, um, which is interesting because Aphrodite was also a war goddess who was also associated with love, um, although not particularly with the, Af- with the um, you know, afterlife. Yeah. If you want to listen to more about Aphrodite, check out episode six, which is our deep dive on her. Um, and for Freya, there is a link to Fulfangir and her hall Sesrumnir with uh, something that is called stone ships. Um, these are a burial custom in what we would consider now to be Viking areas, where a grave is surrounded by stones placed in the shape of a ship. That doesn't mean it looks physically like a ship, but it's basically like if you were to lay uh, bricks out on the ground in the shape of a ship. Yeah, an outline. Yeah, an outline yeah. of a ship from the top down. Yeah. Um, you usually would have a... Um, uh, two taller stones at the front and back 
um, to emulate a Viking ship. Uh, sometimes these would have masts. Sometimes they were all cobbled in and yeah. sometimes they were just simply outlines. It's very interesting stuff. We're only we're only really in the beginning stages of understanding what these things are and what they mean. Yeah, yeah. And if you're interested um, for more information, we'll probably do um, you know a segment on it in one of our pub chats. But until then, look up the Gelling Stone Ship for more info. That's um, J-E-L-L-I-N-G, Stone Ship. Um, it is the um, it is one of the largest ones we've ever discovered. It's not in the greatest of shape um but uh, thank you looters um but it is Humans super interesting human, and it's very neat to see in fact um near us there is a stone ship that it's not ancient it's um it's a um, modern one. It's a modern one, and it is built to honor those who are lost at sea just off the coast near where we live. Yeah. Uh, very cool stuff. Um, and it is possible that Sestrumnir, her uh, her hall with Infolfangir, was originally a ship that ended up in a field. Hmm. Or a hall shaped like a ship. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I've, you've also seen that, like, uh, like a hall made out of a, a boat flipped upside down thing. Mm-hmm. That, like, so there's like that possibility. And also I have to, I have to point out the connection here between a God of death and a barge of death. Uh, because the Klingons, when they go into their afterlife, <laughs> uh, they are brought good warriors who die honorably and in battle uh, are brought upon the barge of death uh, to fight and drink and booze and murder forever in constant battle because the Klingons are basically just space Vikings. Yes. And it's awesome. And I love their religion. I know. So I I had to put that out there. Um, (laughs) If you want more on that, uh, look at all of the Bellana Torres gets a little scary with her Klingon stuff episodes of Voyager. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong. Worf is the one who literally created like most of their culture. Like, no lie. But like the um, actor, like the actor legitimately did like a ton of work on this, uh, you know, with the writers to make it this big deal. Uh, to like the, really develop this thing, um, but but boy, they fleshed out a lot of the afterlife in Voyager with regard to yeah. Bolana Torres having to deal with coming to grips of being uh, half human and half Klingon. Yeah, and oof, it is good. Those are good episodes. I mean, I know people got opinions about that. They're wrong. It's okay, but uh, <laughs> yeah, it's dope and very similar to this. So just put that out there. Yeah. yeah. Uh, and this this ship thing um, furthers the idea that Isis and Freya may have also been connected as well, yeah. Yeah. Uh, because Isis, um, we talk about it in our deep dive, which is episode 18. Um, you know, she there is one of her um, worship days where you basically take a boat and like bring it yeah. to the river. Well, isn't isn't passage to the afterlife for Egyptians on a boat? Generally, In yes. like a sea of sand or yeah. some such? Uh, yeah, actually, okay. that's a very common theme across many cultures. Oh, sure, cultures. sure. No, yeah, no, so that's yeah, yeah, not yeah. just... just the yeah, reason why I thought about that is there, because of but, uh, yes. bloody... What's it called? On, oh, because um, of Moon Knight. Because of Moon Knight show, on, yes. the Disco- on the yeah. Discovery Plus. On the on the Disney Plus, Jesus. Yeah. yeah. Uh, well, and we also see that in um, Greek mythology. Oh, sure. Uh, yeah, so yeah, yeah. it is possible that is another one of those oh, yeah. things Duh, that's a holdover from a Proto-Indo-European yeah, thing. Sure, sure. The afterlife being, um, you know, sort of accessed by 
transiting a channel of water, yeah. so to speak. Yeah. Well, um, water's got, you know, obviously always got some sort of uh, mystical properties in pretty much everything everywhere, um, as well as it's not like they really had other vessels. It's not like gods were picking you up in like Humvees. Like an Uber? <laughs> yeah. Or like, they're like, ah, oh, like, we don't know what this is, but he picks you up in some sort of weird metal dragon with four wheels and it like honks and it's long and they're like, it's a bus. Um, yeah. So obviously boat most common apparatus, what with you can move people other than like a cart, which isn't very impressive. So that makes sense. They didn't have airplanes and cars and such. Correct. Yeah. Correct. Although airplanes would be dope. Yeah. Also, um, many times a field, which um, her her hall was in the middle of because mm -hmm. of the necessity of having a big battle outside all the time, yeah. um, you know, fields of, um, you know, grain and grasses and stuff yeah, like, like that are very stuff. commonly associated with the sea and are akin. You know, yeah. like you ever seen a whole field of grain moving in the wind? Yeah, is exactly like the ocean. Same yeah. thing. So there's a yeah. lot of parallels totally there. Totally understand. Super interesting. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's completely fair. That's completely fair. So as far as worship and festivals go, the Norse pantheon looks at worship and festivals in a very different way than what we're used to talking about in the um in the celtic and in the greek and even in the egyptian side of things yep. um so you know it's a lot less of this is this person's feast day and their festival and you have to honor them during it um you know it's more like here is a theme for a festival and um in in the ancient Norse um, pantheon, most of these festivals lasted for a while. Um, it was not uncommon for party, a festival to be an entire month. Yep. Um, and we talk more about that in our episode on heathenry and modern Odinism. So definitely check that out. But there are a few festivals that particularly jive for what Freya is associated with. Although none of them are directly tied to Freya. Yeah. Um, specifically. So um, the first of those is uh, Madrunit, which is Mother's Night, and that is usually the night before the winter solstice. And that is a festival that celebrates ancestral mothers and goddesses and female family members. So all the lady folk and um, lady uh, identifying folk. Yeah, all the folk. Yeah. Uh, another, the next one would be Eoster um, or Ostara. That is the spring equinox. Um, and that is very particularly one that is usually celebrated for an entire month. Uh, and their offerings are made to Eoster, goddess of spring and renewal. There are some scholars that think that Eoster and Freya are basically the same person, just with different names and in slightly different regions or areas of the general European region. So that's definitely a good one there, especially when you're thinking about fertility and abundance and flowers, right? Makes sense? Yeah. Um, next is Blossomfrils or Walpurgisnacht, um, which is um, usually right around the same time as Beltane um, in early May. And that is a flower and spring festival. Basically, we're looking at the same vibes there as we are for Ostara. So, you know, we're looking at fertility, we're looking at, you know, flowers, and we're looking at rebirth, and we're looking at abundance, uh, and all of those things definitely vibe for Freya. Yeah. Uh, and then we have uh, Freysblot or Lunasa um, in the sort of Celtic 
the modern witchcraft um, type type thing. Same, yeah. And that is a harvest festival. Um, you'll notice the name is Freysblatt, which her, that is her brother. And I, you know, you can pretty much count on that Freya that works for her as well. Since that is a harvest festival, we are talking about golden grain. Um, I, I have seen it with the A. Yeah. I have and I have also seen it with I have the A. See, I have seen it Freya's blot, not just Freysblatt. Yeah. So... You, but also, like, I mean, the, there's a whole thing about them maybe being the same person, and it's a whole. Bunch. Well, there's and two, also two them, sides of them the same being, thing, right? them being lovers. It is, uh, it is one of my personal headcanon things that George R. R. Martin's idea for Cersei and Jaime Lannister was Freya and Freyr. Um, there are. A few, um, like, a few mythological sources yeah. um, that indicate that Freya and her brother slept together often. Yeah, and we're and like we're like weird, exuberantly weird, shall weird we twins. say. Like yeah. yeah, so there's a lot of parallels there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but also the gods sometimes they did the gender changing. Um, we're looking at you, Loki. We're always looking at you, Loki. We're always looking um, at you, yeah. So, uh, but also, because so, like, yeah. I've seen it, I've seen it, like, like, theorized that they're literally the same person and that, Fre like, it's that, it's that, like, um, basically Freya took whichever form was needed to accomplish the task at hand, right? Yeah. Uh, so sometimes she was Freya the lady, and sometimes she was Freya the dude. Yeah, and it was just like a thing that they could do is they could just kind of like be whatever they wanted to be. Um, seems like a kind of crazy concept, right? You can just be whatever you want to be. I'm looking at you, America, right now. So and everybody's just like okay with it and yeah. accepting the yeah. world, right? Oof. Right. Right. So crazy. Only the gods could do something Ugh, like that. Man, <laughs> us mortals could never, right? Humans got a human, I guess. Unfortunately so. <laughs> Unfortunately. If you want to hear my spiciness, check out that pub chat. Yeah. Uh, anyway, moving along to the uh, sort of last section of um, of, of worship things for uh, for Freya. And that would be Vershnatir, which is, takes place during Samhain. That's in late October. That's another one that basically lasts for a couple of weeks and up to a month. Um, and that in particular includes Disablot, which honors the Valkyries, of which Freya is the queen of, yeah. uh, as well as the Disir, which are the fates. And while Freya is not technically one of the fates, she does weaving magic yeah. and is also able to discern the future so that definitely falls in line there as well as disablot asks for a full and abundant harvest again coming back Obvious to Freya. connection yeah. uh, now sometimes um disablot and vishnatir are celebrated in february around the same time as imbolc yeah um and um sometimes it also includes alpha blot which uh honors the elves and the land victor and the dead yeah. Um, so all of those things kind of fall right in line for yeah. Freya, and although she doesn't have a all, specific. These are, these feast are day. all these are all northern hemisphere dates and times because that's where the people are from. Yes, and that's where we're from. So you know, f flip that 180 for the southern hemisphere. 
Yeah. And if you are from the Southern Hemisphere or if you are not and you want to know more about that um, and you need some help figuring out which one goes where when you flip yeah. it, let me know. I am more than happy to help out with that. Yeah, I've totally, actually totally. thought about putting together a calendar that we can offer on our Etsy shop or to our patrons that has all of these things from all of the deep dives that we do oh as, holiday, as holidays. So long. Um, it actually <laughs> wouldn't be as long as you think. I think it would be a so long. I mean, of... there, a, lot of, a lot of them are going to be like, for this week, there are these 15 holidays you can celebrate. <laughs> Would you like to party? A lot of, a lot them, of gods coincide. Are yeah, a lot of them coincide. A lot of them do coincide. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but. Uh, that's definitely a thing. So if yeah. you're interested, if you think that would be a cool thing and you'd like to have a calendar of sorts for something like that, let us know. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah. So that is um, talking about Freya. Yeah. yeah so definitely, definitely. But before we get into the traditional invocations and spells that we do in these deep dives, uh, I just wanted to touch briefly on Seder magic or or how do you pronounce it? Seder magic. Seder? Yeah. Okay. Um, and that's S E I D R for yeah. those of you that are um, yeah. listening and yeah. curious. I, I, I have always in my mind heard the word exactly like satyrs, you know, for like like satyrs, like satyrs, like satyrs, but with a D instead of a T, right? That's just the way that I say that. So satyr magic, satyr magic is one of those like things that is like very strongly associated with like women, which is like a very strong association with like witchcraft and the whole like prosecuting witches because, you know, Christians uh, or whatever. Um, and uh, so satyr magic is like weaving magic. It's associated yeah. with wands and like weaving tools and things like that. It's about reading weavings, not like, let me stress this, not like, but also not as dissimilar as I would be comfortable with it being from that movie with the curving bullets and whatnot. The Matrix? No. The Matrix bullets go straight. You know, the one with Angelina Jolie oh, and Morgan Freeman? Ooh, boy, Angelina Jolie. I'm sorry, I said, that that, I said that name insane. You sure did. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Angelina Jolie. Uh, <laughs> I was like, thinking while I was saying it, so just I had like to add develop. unnecessary pause. <laughs> don't worry about it. It's cool. I'm not crazy. Don't worry. Um, oh my God. What is that called? Taken? No. No. Wanted? No. Keep going. Oof. I'll Anywho. find it. Anywho, so, uh, uh, so it's a lot about weaving and like either weaving fate and like manipulating reality into the weaving of the fabrics to make clothing or reading the weavings to understand the weavings of reality. And it has a lot of connection with like, um, it it's is wanted. wanted. Yeah. Didn't I, I said wanted? You said taken. I know, but didn't I say wanted second? Mm, I'm going to go with no, but honestly, I, I feel like, I feel like point. I'm being, uh, I feel like I'm being lied to right now. I mean, tricked. <laughs> Yeah, so <laughs> like I listen to the things you say. That's Jeez. fair. I don't deserve that. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, so it's like that because you know they they use reading the like loom they worship. Yeah. To assassin stuff or something insane like that. Yeah, it's, it's very not, weird. It's not. Listen, it, I enjoy the movie. It's, Ooh, not, a it's great not, movie. not a great movie. It's no. not the point. It's like that kind of though. Yeah. So. Um, but so this is really associated 
primarily with women, um, and women were the one who practiced it. Um, and it was primarily like it was primarily practiced by women and all this kind of thing. Um, and she was like the patron saint. It is generally said that, based on the things that I've read, that like she is the one who literally showed up and was like, "Hey guys, you know how you're making fabrics?" And everybody was just like, "Yes." Also, glowy. What's going on right now? And she's like, "So this is how you look at that fabric and read the future." And they're like. Oh, we're not telling the men folk about this. Yeah. What, son? Yeah. So, um, <laughs> yeah, you know, there's there's that. Like, so she's associated with handing that over. But also, and to like further deepen the mystery of Freya and Frigg and Odor and Odin and just just the tapestry of chaos that is Norse mythology that I love so bloody much. Um, is that Odin very specifically uses satyr magic. He very specifically uses like what is generally accepted as a woman's magic. And I'm yeah. like, that's just the way that it's talked about. Uh, like men did practice it. Yeah. It's just that like, it was one of those things where it was like, if a dude practiced it, like they didn't talk about it as much or whatever, you know, it, like, like everything that I've read has sort of talked about it as being like primarily a woman's thing, mm -hmm. but like Odin practiced it and, and got good at it. And it was like part of him becoming more powerful. Like it had direct connection to all of that stuff, which is interesting because if you think about Freya being Frigg, then basically Odin was just like, look how awesome I am. Kachow. And his wife was like also magic stuff. And he's like, I can be so much more awesome. Yes. Let's do this. Right? Like a partnership in war, right? And how, like, she's a goddess of war who separates 50% of the people, which is very, like, the, the like, the Odinist murder <laughs> warriors who do the sorting and stuff. Odin gets them, and the, like, magical warriors who do the, like, like the, the magical murder stuff, they're going with her. Like, it's very, it's very, um, like, like, it very much lines up with this, like, tag team approach to war those who fought war purely with like the brute might of odin and like those yeah. who fought war with the like cunning and like manipulation of fate and magic that was like frigs or, yeah. Freyas, or freyas right d again depending on whether or not you want to mishmash them or not yeah. so it's th there's like a lot to go into there and i have a lot of pretty chaos headcanon about it aside from the things that I've read, but like, <laughs> yeah, it's very interesting. So yeah, I just wanted to get like a little brief, like what uh, about Seder magic, because it's very cool. I super dig it. And it's often very like, um, because it has always been talked about like in modern times as being associated with women a lot of practitioners of like norse paganism and heathenry and such um sort of leave it as that's witchcraft tm right whatever yeah. the hell they mean by that and they just like let it go but like all of these like like manist proud like like men man manly stuff Odin, whatever, like, assholes out there. And I'm just saying this because I want to be mean right now. All of those assholes who are just like, Odin's the best strong man stuff. Not going to do none of that lady shit. Like, Odin practiced lady magic, guys. Calm way the fuck down about it. All right? So yeah. just 
I had, like, every time I I see that weird dimorphic, like, illogic in the thing, I'm just like, my dude, do you not know about this fucking important part of Odin's power? Like, <laughs> what is happening to you right now? So, whatever. All right. Now we can go into the spells. Also, getting into these spells, I'm just going to interrupt again. Continue to interrupt. Second interrupt. Uh, interruption uh, caused soliloquy. It's like a, it's like an inception of interrupt. It's an interrupt. It's an it's an interception. Um, <laughs> <laughs> the ball is mine now. Uh, football reference. Anywho, uh, <laughs> these spells and invocations are written to us, written to us. Oh my god, written by us and have no connection to historical or traditional practices like these our these are our writings and like our yep. choosings right and of course they're associated as best we can with like the historical nature of our research the research that we do and like my particular practice with regard to Norse paganism because I am a Norse pagan um so I'm very involved in these whereas like the Greek ones I'm not as involved in because I have less of a connection in that yeah. direction sort of um but uh yeah these aren't like i'm not we're not being like this is how you do this we're just being like hey these are some invocation this is an invocation and this is a spell like based on the research we've done and like our practice and and like whatever that like you can use and modify and do whatever with i mean like honestly most of the time even when i write spells for myself i write a spell and go into that shit with a plan and then halfway through that plan unravels into whatever i'm doing yep. actually yeah so that's that's the way that i do magic it's chaos <laughs> that's fine it's, that's fine that's fine well person. um because you have such a like um such a huge amount of knowledge and work with the north pantheon in particular um we actually had you write these spells so normally i write them yeah and, normally she writes you know. them and i just sort of like touch it to make sure that it like follows some vague amount of logic as much as i i should never be the source of Pure logic about anything. Yeah. Uh. So instead, we actually had you write yeah. most of these, and I went in and made a few slight changes. Yeah. So because of that, I'm going to have you go ahead and read them. Mm, I feel like that was a trap. It definitely was a trap, yeah. <sighs> Akbar would be proud of you <laughs> for that trap, but... Uh, okay, so... So we'll yeah. start with an invocation for Freya. So, okay. So uh, invocation for Freya, and this is just... Uh, also, all Norse gods I invocate in like functionally the same way, which is just like a lot of fun pomp and circumstance, right? You know, yeah. it's like a crier in like a in like a rich person ball, like yeah, a fa like a fancy royal ball. So uh, Freya, ruler of Folkvangnir, uh, most glorious of goddess goddesses, I call upon you, Freya of the golden hair, goddess of beauty, fill my life with love. Freya, child of the Vanir, daughter of Njord, teach me the secrets of satyr magic. Freya. Queen of the Valkyrie, help me to defend my mind, body, and spirit against those who wish to oppress me. And then uh, provide some sort of like an offering or do a ritual work or meditate as desired, like kind of whatever you are doing that you are planning to invocate um, Freya for. And then finish with Freya Seabrightner, Mistress of Cats, Giver of Prosperity. I thank you. Yeah. So, and That's I, nice. yeah, I like to, I like to, I like to use all their, all their, um, epithets i like to use all their all the names yeah. because it's fun and it's and and it's you know it, it shows that you're not you're not just like hey hey jim why don't you give me some stuff 
Like it shows that you did some research and you're like, Jim, I know you do all these things. But it's very dope. If that is mood. your preference for your magical practice. Oh yeah, you do not have to do, do it, it this way. I just like doing it this way because I think it's fancy. Yeah, and we so, like to provide an idea that you can use as yeah, inspiration. It's a stepping or off point, certainly. There are also times where I just like I'm like I write it out for like, you know, especially because um blots are often multi-goddle. Um <laughs> They got a bunch of gods. I don't know what the way to, way to say that is. I'm going to go with multi, multi goddle. Yeah, multi goddle. Um, so, and when we do our rituals, she does. The, what do you, what do you, what do you call them? Sabbaths? Yes. Man, there is something in my brain that prevents me from remembering the word Sabbath on a every regular basis. Every time you basis. ask and every time you say the exact same thing. Yeah, I just, yeah. I, it's, it, I don't know, it, whatever. They're blots in my head. <laughs> so, yeah. uh, so anytime I write for blots, often I will start with all of them and then I'm just like, that's too many words and there's a time limit on this. So I'm going to cut it down <laughs> and just be like, Odin of this and Thor of this and Freya of this and Himdal of this or whatever. So yeah, it's just, you know, efficiency. But okay, so next up is a spell and we're doing a satyr magic spell. And this is one of those things where because of my like practice following with regard to like my own reconstructed Odinism because a lot of Odinism and heathenry in this country is real supremacisty, and I hate that with a passion that consumes my soul. So I do it my way and uh, ignore the haters um, or tell them they're wrong. It's mostly telling yeah. them they're wrong. And we I talk, talk a lot more about voice. the ways that Oof. you that you do what you do. Yeah. Um, and in the um, modern Odinism and heathenry yeah, episode, yeah, yeah. We go into as well it, yeah. as we talk about um, ways to sort of tell if something is crossing that line yeah. um, of morality, essentially, uh, in our toxic internet witchcraft episode. Yeah. So if you're interested in hearing more about there those, is, there is a lot of that those out episodes there. out. Oof. Anywho, so this is a satyr magic spell, and you're just going to need a few things for this. You're going to need some piece of cloth or fabric to meditate over, something that has um, visible texture works the best. So like a canvas or like, honestly, like if you have a pair of jeans, denim has a fantastic, uh, fantastic uh, uh, weave to it. Yeah. Something that has like visible weave. A lot of our like modern plasticky fabrics, um, the weave is so tight that it's like, yeah. it's very smooth. Yeah. Although you can't do that. It still has a weave. Like unless it's literally a piece of plastic that's flat and smooth. Yeah. Uh, it has weave like to linen, it. Like linen, I think would linen also be Linen is fantastic. Choice. Cotton is a good choice. Um, Anything that you can see the weave, I mean, honestly, like that like really Burlap. nice silk, <laughs> right? Like that. Oh like yeah. You can see the weave in that. Um, so anything that you can see the weaving, because the idea is that you're trying to meditate on the weaving itself, right? On the the connections that form from weaving, because this is weaving magic, um, Seder magic. And then you're also going to want like a snack that's uh, large enough of a snack that you can both have a snack because doing magic is exhausting and uh, it drains you. So prepare a snack so you're ready for when you come out of that spell or you're done with your practice and, you know, you're hungry or whatever. But also so you can leave an offering uh, because leaving an offering is nice and we should be nice to these people. They're they're helping us with things. Yes. Well, that seems pretty logically straightforward in my yep. opinion. Yeah. Okay, so you're going to hold this cloth in your hands and, and really focus or meditate on the weaving. I mean, 
unask the question with regard to the focusing and the meditating, right? Try to open your mind to the possibilities of the construction and of the weave and how that connects to the weaving of the fabrics of reality with regard to however you perceive reality, whether or not it's um, a series of vibrations or a series of sounds or a weaving of mm -hmm. like literal strings of, of like the cosmic string theory or like loop quantum gravity or like whatever you want to do. Um, so like the weavings and how it connects, meditate on that uh, and then meditate on like the future you're wishing to divine. So like basically the question you're trying to ask, but again, this doesn't, this isn't like, this isn't saying like, don't, don't buy the red car. This is, this is, uh, allowing you to define divine the future, right? So whether so, look into the future future you're trying to divine, or that you're trying to shape, because weaving magic also implies that one can weave a future they wish, uh, you know, to achieve, as it were. Uh, so and then when you're ready, you're gonna basically call upon the Seder magic and Freya by saying this little bit that I wrote here. Uh, Freya, queen of the Valkyrie, lady of the slain, teach me to read the weavings of fate and influence what is to come. Right? And then you're going to continue to meditate on the cloth after asking Freya for help in this um, and, and uh, meditate and focus on the cloth basically uh, for as long as you wish with regard to trying to achieve your spell, whether it's a long meditation or uh, a short form meditation, meditate on the cloth. And then after you've completed your work, silently thank Freya for helping or out loud. Again, I, I, I do a lot of silent stuff. So silently thank Freya or say it out loud for helping you and guiding you. Uh, and then leave a portion of your snack on the cloth, the piece of cloth that you just focused on, that you just meditated on for that Seder magic, leave that leave your offering for her on that in your the traditional place that you leave offerings, you know, out of the way, reach of children's and pets. Um, and if you are going to leave it outside, make sure it's not toxic to wild animals, just in case wild animals get to it and all of those things. Yep. Um, you know, if you have like a planter box and it's like an organic piece of fabric and like nice food that's not going to rot and be bad, you can bury it or however you like to handle your offerings. We have like little offering spaces up on our altars. So like we don't really have to think about that as much as some people. But I know that for a lot of people, especially like city folk, um, and folk. people who are in and the and people who are in the 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 uh, closet have to um, have to be a bit more precautious about that. So um, so you do can whatever always you do think that works for you and resonates with you yeah. within the level of feeling safe. Yeah, in your own practice. Yes, yeah. totally, well. totally, totally, totally. If you're super in the closet about it, let me tell you what: uh, a lot of cloth tea bags have very obvious. Um, yeah, weaves. Patterns. So you can focus on the tea bag yep. in its weaving and then steep it in water and then leave that coffee cup or, or tea cup, excuse me, leave that tea cup with its tea bag as the offering after you've had a sip for your snack. Yeah. And then you're just a forgetful person who left a cup of tea around and yeah. not doing magic and stuff. You could so also use a- Get away uh, with magic, guys. Yeah, you could also <laughs> use a cloth napkin or placemat. Oh, totally. Um, as a great totally. way. You don't necessarily have to place the food item directly on the cloth. You yeah. can put it on a plate that's also on top of a oh, cloth. Oh, totally, so totally, you could, totally, you know, So there's a ton totally, of different totally. There's so many that ways that if it. you need to like be on the DL about it, you can totally do that. Like you don't need to be like ah, pomp and circumstance. I understand that we live Unless in a place where that is, want to that be is pomp not and always easy to do uh, and a time that's not always easy to do. Um, so we get that. Yeah. 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 Totally. Yeah. 
So uh, moving on to the list reading section. <laughs> Everybody's favorite part. Time for correspondences. So um, animals associated with Freya are uh, boar, cat, falcon, also horses and pigs and rabbits. Uh, colors would be gold, green, and red. Uh, stones, amber, very particularly, carnelian, copper, emerald, uh, moonstone, and rose quartz are all associated with her. Uh, for plants, uh, alder, chamomile, daisy, uh, mugwort, mugwort uh, rose, and yarrow are associated with her. For foods, apples, um, chocolate, mead, uh, pork, again, because of her association with the with the boar yeah. uh and strawberries as well uh and deities similar to her that you can look into are um aphrodite or slash venus demeter uh persephone inanna and ishtar isis also have some very similar connotations um which we've talked about in earlier sections of this podcast. Uh, and then other miscellaneous things would be a chariot, any sort of jewelry, um, the moon, perfume, or all things that would be associated with Freya. Yeah, yeah. And then obviously fabrics. Yes. In fabric wear, because fabric, again, yeah. satyr magic. Yeah. Uh, so uh, uh, that was but a wee taste of the list of correspondences, <laughs> what with takes up so much space. So uh, if you are interested in the full list of correspondences, as well as a Book of Shadow page, Book of Shadows page for this podcast episode, uh, those are available on our Patreon. Yep. Speaking of our patrons, we would like to give a shout out to them. Alan, Miranda, Alexa, Helena, and Adrian. You guys are awesome. You keep us going. You're all the best. Uh, yep. Looking to improve these every time, and you are the ones that help us do that. Um, and we very much appreciate. We very it. much appreciate it. Yes, I know that how far behind I am with regard to Book of Shadows pages. They take a lot of work, and I'm working more twelve-hour shifts than I care to talk about. So. It's been a rough couple of months for us. I'm busy. Yeah, but I am working on them. I am moving forward with them. It's just slow going when I have to do it very, very late at night. Yeah. Uh, and also still sleep because I'm not past the sleeping stage of my existence yet. Uh, <laughs> soon, I promise. Soon, no more sleep. Uh, so, anywho, uh, our next episodes are going... Next up is our pub chat, which will come out next week. Um, and that's pub chat episode number 11. Guys, we're getting along with these pub chats. Yeah, we so are. So, if you have pub chat-based questions you would like us to answer... Um, Submit those in all of the things. It's everywhere, all the time, everywhere. Uh, you can find us. And um, and or also you can like comment below or anything like that. Uh, as well as you can come around if you just listen to like the main stuff and you don't listen to the pub chats. The pub chats are like a user question. Oh, a user question. Still that word. Again. <sighs> like a listener question. Listener. Oh my God. I don't know why. I was just like, customer? What word am I using here? <laughs> brain is melting guys um a listener question as well as a brief story time where we talk about like kind of just like fun brief stories within like magic and, whatever like, like weird stuff i came across that doesn't fit into like a full podcast you're like this would be episode. dope but this isn't enough to do a podcast but it's enough to tell a story so we have a story time <laughs> in the middle of our pub chats and then we also have magic in media which is where we talk about media that we recently watched that has magic in it. It's, it's a very straightforward naming uh, structure we've got going on here. Um, but, uh, and that's really fun. We will be starting to do full length magic and media episodes on our YouTube channel. Again, 
I, I don't know when. It's just when we have the time is just the nightmare on that one. But uh, we are planning on doing those, so stay tuned for those. And if you have a particular show or movie or, or, or anime or whatever, even a book um, that you read that has magic in it that you like would be interested to hear us talk about, let us know. We are always looking for new shows. I mean, yep. like, don't get me wrong. Our Netflix list is like a bajillion miles And long. we already have <laughs> some requests. Yeah, and we do already so, have some requests. Um, so Get so, your request in sooner than later. Oh my God, yeah. Because it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna, it's gonna take a while. Um, so we got to get going on these. <laughs> we basically have a never-ending idea, like um, List stream of, of concepts and ideas. ideas. Yeah. yeah, it's it's fun. And then after that is episode forty-three of the podcast, which is um, Lunasa. Lunasa one hundred two. I read that and was like Lafnasad. I, that is a way that you can say that, yes. Okay. I'm pretty certain I might say it Lafnasad because I was just like, uh, I'm pretty certain it's not Lafnasad, or at least I think I saw you read that word earlier and not say Lafnasad because that's definitely Lafnasad to me. Um, there are regional variants in how you pronounce that word. Cool gangster. Well, yeah. And that's uh, that's one of the... That's one of the festivals. It's one festivals. of the Sabbaths. Yeah, Sabbath, yeah. that's the word. Yep, yep. That's one of those. So that should be exciting. And the 102s are a little bit different, a little bit more of a deep dive. We hit like very specific things about those. So, I mean, you you listen to our podcast, you know what's going on there. And so, if you don't, listen to some more episodes. Yeah, listen to some of one of the well, some of the 102s um, for like more like uh, details about those particular blocks. Yeah, and whatever. if you want to sort of preload yourself with some generalities about Lunasa before we get to that episode, definitely listen to Lunasa episode 101. Yeah. I, it's actually not episode 101, sorry. Listen to Lunasa 101. Episode, we don't have that number on the screen right now. Don't, don't worry about it. Okay. Uh, yeah, I we, don't, we do don't need to click around a bunch because uh, we're about ready to end. So either way, I have been John Norgrove. I might have missed the naming thing at the beginning of this. This has been Julie Norgrove. Uh, <laughs> this is the Horn and Cauldron podcast. podcast. And we will catch you guys next time. Um, Stay magical, folks. Yeah. And don't forget, breathe in self-confidence and breathe out self-doubt.